Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. Remember that, then. And a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, big green, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk, I'll declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisín McConville, by the former Kerry footballer, Brian Sheehan, and by Tony Lean, the sports editor, of the Irish Examiner. It feels that the fog is now clearing around the football championship and we finally get down to the business end of things. The draw has taken place for the quarterfinals. Kerry against Mayo, Dublin against Cork, Galway against Armagh, Derry against Clare. And I have to say I'm disappointed because I was hoping it was going to be Kerry, Armagh, to listen to Oshin explain why Armagh had no chance and the Kerry lads explaining why they'd be lucky to get a team up uh, to play the quarter-final. But either ways, it is now open and it's it's now on. Brian, you're, you must be excited with that draw. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's exactly what Kerry needed, to be honest with you. Um, I don't see what would be the benefit of Kerry drawing clear. Um, and I guess no disrespect to Clare because the Kerry are on a different level to where Clare are. There are, and <clears throat> they just need this because look, Dublin will be Cork, and you can't go into an All Ireland semi final uncontested. And as we spoke about previously, the last competitive game the Kerry had was sometime in the league. So I think it's great now that they're meeting a the Mayo team, and especially Mayo from the point of view of no, they're coming through the back door, they've won hard games, and they've come from behind in the last two games they've played and had to, had to eke out a result. and um, I think it's, it's a perfect one. I think even if they had played Armagh, I would have been a, after seeing Armagh yesterday. Um, I would have been very, very cautious or concerned about you know, facing Armagh. I just think it's in the right game for them. I think it's, it's if they met Armagh, Kerry being idle for so long, Armagh coming the route they've come, the teams they've beaten. I think it would have been a right hard test for Kerry, low inside and Killarney. But I just think the Mayo game is, is the perfect setup for them to. Uh, for the for the quarterfinals rounds, just so um, look, I do expect Kerry to beat Mayo, uh, but I think it's the best game that the best draw they could have gotten on the day. To be honest, did you think Mayo were poor against Kildare? Yeah, I thought they were very poor. I thought they were very poor, and I think if there was any other team, um, if it was Armagh, if it was Galway, Kerry, Dublin, I think Mayo would have been out. I mean, they would have been beaten. Their first half performance, I thought, was poor. I thought, to be honest, I can't say anything else. It was poor. Um, and I think that's, you know, someone was on to me during the week about picking, um, don't even forget, the last man standing, Hugh Messers, and they were debating whether to pick Mayo or Ross Common. And I said to them, I just think that Mayo were too unpredictable. I said, that, that's the kind of performances in Mayo. They could fall flat like they did in the first half. But again, look, who am I or where am I going doubting Mayo? Because every time that their backs are to the wall, they seem to pull something off. But I just think that's, do they have what it takes to go and win the All Ireland? I just still think they don't. For me, and I think Oshin watching the Sunday game last night, you made a very good point uh, about Clare over the last couple of years of how much they've learned and how much that they've they've learned from playing Division Two football. They've learned from their mistakes. They've learned how to cope. You mentioned how they've set up now at the moment, and I think from Mayo, 
they just don't seem to be learning. And that's the big thing I get from watching Mayo. They're still making the same mistakes four or five years in a row. Their decision-making on the ball, they're you know, in the final third, some of the attempts they have for score. I think it was someone said yesterday that half of the scores or half of the kicks that Mayo had yesterday on, on the last day were either wide or drop short. Like that's an awful statistic to have in an Ireland quarterfinal hitting or you know, heading into an Ireland quarterfinal. And I just think that's for Mayo short and it's the same fallings over and over again. And they're still relying on their backs to kick most of their scores. You take Lee Keegan out of it, you take Paddy Dorkin out of it, you take Omar Glockin out of it. The Mayo forwards are not producing enough scores and I just think that's the same mistakes over and over again are going to find Mayo to be cut out. Is that how you see it, Oshin? I just think when I every time I look at Mayo, I think um the first thing about them is that I believe that they are trying to have more control in the game. And I think when you're sitting standing on the lane watching them, or you're standing on the lane watching any team, you want to have control over the game and you want to say to yourself, right, look at if X, Y, and Z happens, we're go- this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our reaction to it. Um, but like, Mayo should really have given up the ghost on that four, five, six, ten years ago. Because Mayo are at the best, and and, and I do I do get this that you shouldn't just be accepting of the fact that when a game is chaos and it's helter skelter that Mayo are the t- like when that game started open up and they made Kildare chase them and they started to hunt them down a little bit and they started to little be a little bit more direct. Um, like was anybody in any doubt who was going to win the game? Like in the last you know five or six minutes. So I, I do think that. Mayo trying to control games, that has to go out the window. And it has to be, you know, I think that when when Mayo play, play Kerry, uh, the more they can ruffle Kerry's feathers, um, the earlier they can do that. If they try and set up similar to, this, to the way they set up against Kildare, Kerry will be home and hosed after 35 minutes. And regardless of how much Mayo... Uh, doing the last 20 minutes or or how, you know, upward the crowd get and how much the crowd get behind them and how, you know, um, how Mayo change things and how the subs give them more energy, it won't matter because they'll, they'll, be, they'll be dead and buried. So I think Mayo need to learn a lesson, similar to actually to the lesson that Armagh learned when they went to Bally Buffet and tried to control the game, tried to pass over the kickouts, um, Mayo can't do that. They just can't. And, you know, they may need to make it a dogfight in the middle of the field. And they need to be more aggressive. Um, I do think, though, that having watched Mayo in the two games over the last couple of weeks, they're finding little things as they go along. For example, the changes, you know, at the weekend, the lads that come off the bench, you may find that some of those will have to start now. And I do understand how much you need impact off the bench, but I do think that some of those guys, even Flynn, Loftus, I think those are the sort of guys who probably need to start the game. Even if they only give you 35, 40 minutes, I think it's so important for Mayo to stay in the game. Um, and I think, as I say, they've, they've started to find something in the last two weeks. And... The, 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 so the I agree with that. Okay, I'm the sorry. Improvements have been you. small. I I agree with that. But I was at the league final between Kerry and Mayo 
in Crow Park and it was it was obliteration. Yeah. And I can't see the change that can be take that can take place with Mayo in that short space of time. I don't see the improvement. Yeah. And no, it's I... not the Mayo of old because their baseline their baseline is lower. Their high point is lower. Yeah, and, and they don't have the same ammunition up front. But yes. I'm just trying to give the people outside of Kerry a little bit of uh, a little bit of a reason to, to, to watch this game. A little bit of a reason to um, think that Mayo can at least, as I say, like what would be wrong with Mayo going into this game and saying, listen, lads, you know, just... Mayhem. Go for mayhem. Mayhem, mayhem all absolutely. over the place. Mayhem it's a battle of the psalm from the first minute on. And make it more physical than they've ever made it. Yes. And they have the ability to do that. There's a couple of things Mayo have the ability to do. And, and you don't think... Like Kerry coming into this game with the layoff that they have had, you know, um, that, that that can't happen. I, I genuinely think it can happen. And I don't think it's going to be the obliteration that it was. But if Mayo, honestly, if Mayo start with the intent of, listen, we're going to contain them for 35 minutes and then we're going to go at them, just not going to happen. Mayo cannot contain teams. They just can't. If Mayo are going to win this game, it's going to be 222 to 121, something like that. That's the way they're going to win the game. They're going to have to be accepting of the fact that, you know, Kerry are just awesome up front, and they're going to get, they're going to get one twenty at least on a bad day, and you ha- they have to if be. If Mayo score two twenty two against Kerry, I'm going to come up and paint your house for you. There is, it is neither that that Kerry backline will not concede two twenty two, and Mayo will not. That forward line cannot score two twenty two. And what may, what give, what makes you say that 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 Kerry defense can't concede two twenty two? Because is it because of Mayo? Is it because of Mayo or how good the Kerry? Defense oh no, is? Again, we don't know how good the Kerry defense is in the long run. No. I mean, to that forward line. Yeah, no, no, I I I I I accept that point. But remember, you're not just talking about that forward line. I mean, but Lachlan has had five goal chances in two games. If you convert two of them, there's your two goals. Killian O'Connor yeah. kicks six or seven points from freeze. They have to chip in. They have to chip in all over the field. But I'm just, I, I just think that Mayo haven't got that little small bit of momentum, small bit of belief. Come back down that bus. The bound have felt good about themselves. The bound have found a little bit of something. And do you know what? It doesn't take a big pile to jog the memory and say, you know what? You know, like, like, do you think will Mayo go into this game against Kerry with any hang-ups? Absolutely not. And and they'll have a little bit of stuff in their head to say, you know, maybe we owe these boys one. I don't I know what you're gonna say to me. They don't have the stuff to do that anymore. And 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 I, and I yeah. do get that. But bottom but, line. But, but I do think I do think it's still quite a dangerous game. Tony, <laughs> Kerry 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 have to be confident about this. Perfect draw for Kerry. Um I think O'Sheen is right in one respect. Um I think that the Mayo game plan, certainly insofar as it relates to the opposition, has to be all about taking advantage of how uncooked Kerry will be. Undercooked, sorry. How, how, how much Kerry will be. Uh, it is a dangerous game. But I'm with Brian in the sense of I would absolutely have preferred Mayo or, or Armagh than Clare. Um, obviously, they couldn't get Cork from a Kerry point of view. They're in a dangerous place. I've said this in a previous podcast. This isn't playing the, you know, 
the old soldier. I do think it's the most dangerous game of the year. In actual fact, given how often Kerry are monster champions and given that they haven't changed the structures over the years, I have always argued that the All-Ireland quarterfinal is the most dangerous game of the year always for Kerry because it will depend, A, on what they've happened, what has happened to them in Munster, and we know what happened to them in Munster. They won their two games by a combined 35 points. The last game that they played of any note, Brian, I was just looking it up there, was March the 12th, intralee, won 12 to 14 points against Mayo in the Spills of Rain. That was the last time that whatever Kerry, Jack and Paddy Talley have done to reshape themselves defensively has been truly tested. That is a hell of a long time ago. They got no challenge game in the meantime. They were here in Cork for the weekend in Fota. I'm presuming that they were working on structure. Obviously, at that stage, you don't know. But from tonight, they have 13 days or 12, depending on when the game is, to actually set up for Mayo. Um, and I genuinely think Mayo will, you know, as Tomas O'Shea famously was a party said first and then Tomas said it afterwards was throw the hammer after the hatchet at Kerry that's what Mayo will do whether they have the legs to do that at this stage but they certainly won't fear Kerry Paul and you know that I mean Mayo have beaten Kerry often enough that game in actual fact I remember on the night someone telling me that game in Tralee in March was the first time since 2009 that Kerry had actually beaten Mayo at home in the league. So if Mayo have no fear about coming down to Tralee or Killarney, they're certainly not going to have any fear playing in what is, by a mile, their favourite ground well ahead of Castlebar. Paul, what did you think of Roscommon at the weekend? I thought Roscommon were classic Roscommon for 20 minutes in the second half where they played good football I thought they were terrible in the first half they opened who'd the you, door who'd you, rather, who'd you rather have had at the weekend Roscommon or Mayo who'd you rather be in the in the what camp would you rather be in oh I'd rather be in the Mayo camp right well, May, well Roscommon and Kerry I think that was the only challenge match Kerry have played from Roscommon yeah. and Kerry and Roscommon were very very <laughs> very competitive against with Kerry. Kerry with Kerry okay so 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 like so like this I, I I I'm sorry lads I still don't get this even Pat said last night Kerry's way ahead of everybody else like on what basis like what, 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 where where's the evidence for that until we see a little bit of evidence lads and look at we could be having a conversation on the 25th of July and saying listen yeah. you know what a what an unbelievable Kerry team I'm sorry lads we can't have that conversation until that actually happens and for that to think, happen. Right? For that to happen, Kerry's going to have to beat Mayo, and then they're going to have to beat Dublin. Correct. I I agree one hundred one hundred percent because I suppose look what we're talking about here was based on the performance of Mayo yesterday uh, of how poor they were and going back even how you know poor they were previously in, in long patches of games they were very very poor. But make no mistake about it, Mayo have nothing to lose. I think if anything, it was probably even the game they were probably looking for because. Like this will be a massive boost to, to, to Mayo if they're going to come in and have a contention <clears throat> and winning the All Ireland. They'll really, really fancy it. But I think they have nothing to lose. And I think if anything, they're going as as Oshin said, and that's exactly the way I would be if I was to set up a team, is go down and ruffle the feathers, let's get stuck in, 
let's if we have to cause a scrap here in the first five ten minutes, and let's put the game like play the game at a manic level. Let's cause chaos down there. That's exactly what Mayo will do, because Kerry at the moment have not played a game of that intensity all year. So that's exactly what Mayo do. And I don't care what you say. If you're sitting idle for four weeks and you can play all the internal challenge games, you can play the ABB games. It's not until you come to the white heat or color battle that you yeah. find out whether you're cooked or not. And that's the problem the danger carry have at the moment is that they're not battle hardened. They don't know where they're at. And it comes down to things like when you're inside and heat of battle, decision making. We're not used to making these decisions. All of a sudden, the pressure's on you. You find momentum isn't going with you. Jesus, may or coming at you 100 miles an hour and you can't understand what's going on. You felt fine in training. And it's the same thing if you're coming back from injury. If you're out of the game for four, five, six weeks with an injury, coming back into that into a game of that intensity, you're going to struggle. You're going to find it hard to be puffing for wind. You're looking around just saying, Jesus, am I have to lose my fitness? Doubts come in and you start questioning yourself. And that's what Kerry are going to face the next day. And I, not for one second am I saying here that this is going to be walking the park for Kerry. Absolutely not. This game will be a very competitive game. I think it's the game that Kerry needed if they are to go on and win the All-Ireland. I think it's a game that they need if they are to go on to an All-Ireland semi-final and face Dublin. With all due respect, I think Dublin will be Cork. And I think there's no way that you're going to go into an All-Ireland semi-final if you hadn't have a good competitive game. So from that point of view, I'm saying, yes, it's a good game for Kerry that they got Mayo. I'm not for one second saying that Kerry are going to just turn up and beat Mayo on the day. There's a massive job ahead of Kerry because, as I said, even if you look back in all yesterday's results, all the provincial finalists that lost, lost as well yesterday. We lost over the weekend. So, so, so what, momentum, I, what I'd say in response is to a that... Big game. So what I, that's fine, Brian, but what I'd say in response to that is that if this game was in Tralee under lights under, on a Saturday night, I'd give Mayo more of a chance. It's going to be in Croke Park on a big, fast, wide open pitch. I cannot see. And if any of the three of you can tell me who's going to mark David Clifford or how that's going to work, I'd love to hear it. Who are you putting on him straight on? And I know you're going to give him a help out, but who are you putting on David Clifford? Well, Oshie Mullen has to mark him. Simple as that. And who's giving him help because he won't hold him on his own? Well, see, that's the thing. You know, like, so we put, put in somebody in there try and help him. Waste of time. Mayo haven't practiced that. They don't know how to play it. And that's been their Achilles heel, you know, when they've tried to do that, try to get, they can try and get bodies back. I mean, like the obvious one to get back in there is Rwan because he's the most athletic and like he was very quiet at the weekend, has been quiet actually the last two games. Yep. Yep. Um, so he's the, he's the boy, that can, he's the man that can get back in there and help and so can, Aidan O'Shea and and you know what? Release your two, release your two, release your other corner corner back. Release Hessian because he he can he can get forward and get forward at pace, and that you know opens it up for McLaughlin. And again, Paddy Dorkin has been really quiet. You know, even you know just completely off, off it as far as yeah, just completely off it as far as is you he, know even his decision making. So he is he is Brian. Yeah, it's right. He's coming back from injury, and he just looks like, he just looks out of form. And this He's is my point. Weeks, means, you know? Yeah, fellas, when you're out of the game for that long, it takes you a while to get up to the pitch of it. And that's what I'm saying with Mayo, with a momentum, coming into the game the next day and Kerry sitting idle for four weeks. Like a lot of those Kerry players would be like Paddy Durkin trying to find their feet again. Obviously, a different story coming from an injury where you probably aren't able to train to, you know what I mean? But 
that's the scenario I'm about. It's you're coming from a place where you just don't quite know where you're at. And then that's going to be the biggest problem Jack is going to have with Gary is trying to get them to the pitch of where they need to be at. Can I ask Tony. a question um, of the three of you? Um, I, I have suggested in the past, I couldn't understand why some teams actually just weren't double teaming David Clifford, like that he is that central and he is that good. But the fact I think that Tony Brosnan has stepped up, obviously you Sean O'Shea, um, you Paul Ganey has got his form back, you've Killian Spillane has gone. Are Kerry as reliant on David Clifford as they might have been 12 months ago? Or to reframe the question, if David Clifford is held to two points, one from a free, will Kerry still have enough firepower to win a, a quarter final? So I'll, I'll, I, I just want to say something on that first. I think it will be very interesting to see all of those forwards turned and chasing back towards their own goal because that looks to me like an unbalanced forward line with a lot of attackers and very few workers. That's that's the only point of making that, Brian. Yeah, look, look, that's fine. But I think the big thing here is if you have the ball or don't have the ball, it's fine to say that oh, all these male forward backs will be attacking up the field. It all depends on who has the ball. And I think we're on about David Clifford here. We're on about stifling David Clifford. For me, the way you stifle David Clifford is you start winning possession in the middle of the field. You don't give Kerry the ball. And all of a sudden, if Kerry don't have the ball, David Clifford's not going to hurt you. So the big thing for me is 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 with, it's who's supplying the bullets to David Clifford. Who has possession of the ball? And that's, I think, where Mayo have to be so frantic is that they make the game so scattered and think that they don't give Kerry time to settle like if you start dropping players back, Kerry will, you know, they're, they're good footballers. They'll, they'll, they'll leak out a, a spare man. Paddy Clifford will find himself coming deep or he'll find himself getting on ball. Himself and David have a fantastic understanding. Sean O'Shea has a great understanding with David as well. So for me, I look, I think there's only so much you can do from the point of view of trying to stifle David. But the big thing for me is it all depends on who has the ball. If you have the ball and Kerry have the ball, those Mayo backs are going to be on the back foot. But again, if Mayo have possession and they're winning the midfield battle and they're winning the breaking ball and they're turning over ball up front, mm-hmm. then by all means, your Mayo backs will be taken off the field and it's going to be a hard day for that carry half forward line. So for me, the big thing is is possession. Who's Jack, O'Con- Jack uh, O'Connor said as much that he picked Killian Spillane over Adrian Spillane for the Munster final against Limerick because he knew the volume of ball that Kerry were actually going to have. I disagree with you, Paul. I actually think that when they actually pick what has been their starting six up front, um, I actually think it's a very balanced carry attack. All those names I mentioned, Killian, Tony Brosnan, and David Clifford, all these guys, there's only going to be Ganey. There's only going to be three of those will start. Okay. In the half forward line, you will have Sean O'Shea will be the pivot at 11. But I would imagine Adrian Spillane will come back in at 12. And you're either going to have Stephen O'Brien or Dara Moynihan at 10. And trust me, those two guys have absolutely no problem spending the guts of the game in their own half if needs be. So the one thing you can't accuse Kerry of this year is not having good shape and structure. The one thing I would laud Jack and the lads for is actually putting square pegs in square holes, round pegs in round holes. I think that wasn't happening under the previous management. I think they've now put them back in their best positions. And the one thing that's an advantage, Oshin, to Mayo is that when Mayo are actually getting their blank page out this morning, this evening, and they're setting up their structure, they're setting up their game plan, they will know exactly what they're going to face. 
Kerry won't pull any card from the bottom of the deck here. The one thing you have to say about them is you could literally almost pick the team. We could actually nearly pick the Kerry team right here, right now. And I'd say, lads, the four of us would get 14, if not 15 out of 15. That's the bottom line. It's the, the only change that there will be in Kerry is in terms of the power, the experience and whatever else they're bringing off the bench. That is actually going to be very, very strong as well and shouldn't be underestimated in any debate about this quarterfinal. Oshin. In answer to Tony's original question, Kerry absolutely have the ammunition. But even just even just what you said there, Tony, about you know bringing in Adrian Spillane, is that a little bit of a bend of the knee to, to Mayo? No, because they're not, Limerick. they're not Limerick. Yeah, but they're That's not, not going to be as a gra- Adrian Spillane has not played be... all season. He's played all season. He has, yeah. He has. The only why time that why they... Take, why take him out for the biggest game of the year? Like? Which one? The this Limerick one? game. The Limerick <laughs> yes. one. If you genuinely think well, Oshin, that Limerick was the biggest game of Kerry's year, I'm afraid you have a very bad understanding of what the biggest well, game of the year well, is. Well, the bar is quite low. Yeah. The bar is quite yeah. low when it comes to like monster football. That's, that's... It is. Now hold on. Now we have to. We have to. We have to discuss this here. You boys don't have to. We don't have to discuss. We don't. We do. We do. The last time we were on. We the last time we were on together. The three of you basically ran a cortege around this podcast, proclaiming the death of Munster football. Our esteemed producer Larry Round. Larry Larry Ryan put up a headline which said Munster football is dead. There are three Munster teams in the All Ireland quarterfinals. That's a fact. That says a lot. How many? How many Ulster teams are there? Did you get two true in the end? Two, yeah. Well, like that has to tell a tale. Standard anyway, football in Munster must be higher than what it is in Ulster. Getting back to <laughs> getting back to uh, getting back to Kerry Jenniflecton in front of in front of Mayo and, and putting uh, <laughs> a couple Jennifer of workers in. in. Um, I just I do think though I do think that when you when you look at the the matchups and you like it. I don't want to talk Mayo up too much, guys, because that's not where they're at right now. I- I'm just thinking that muscle memory and Crow Park and those last 10 minutes of that game on Saturday, and if they can start reproducing that, think a little bit more about, you know, where where's Kerry's failings at? Where's the weaknesses at? Two for me, okay? Like Aidan O'Shea, for me, is spent force in the middle of the field. Agreed. Just can't see the logic in in that in that continuum, but he would be worth he would be worth a little bit of time at the, at the edge of the square, um, whether that be to start with or to finish with. And the second thing is, I would be I would be insanely aggressive on 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 Kerry's kickouts, and and Mayo can do that. Mayo have have form in that regard, so. As again, we, I'm not going to talk Mayo up to the to the point where we 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 think it's the Mayo of 2017 and 18. It's it's not. We we all know that, but uh, but I still think that they're they're quite a da- a, a dangerous animal. But look, Kerry, you know, I do know be- I do know by the way that there is disappointment. There are Dublin footballers wanted Mayo in the quarterfinal, and they wanted them for a whole lot of reasons. First of all, the match that would prepare them for a quarterfinal and because they have uh, a certain thing that they want to settle from last year. So I know there is disappointment there, but I think there is... Wait, dis- the semi-final. 
But yeah, <laughs> but there is also there is also a fact that Dublin are now playing Cork, and with the best will in the world, Tony, uh, can you see that as being a competitive match? Um, well, I want to say one last thing just before we leave the other thing, and I have to tip my hat to Oshin uh, again. This is becoming a bit of a love in between the two of us now, which is not going to continue to very long. But I do think, and Brian won't disagree, it's not something that we like to speak about in public. But if you were to talk about the two negative talking points that remain in Kerry, it is the goalkeeping situation. Just because they've settled on Shane Ryan doesn't necessarily make everything hunky-dory. And the second thing is the full-back line and the full-back. Just because the league showed that Jason Foley had found form doesn't mean that that's going to stand up under an avalanche in Crow Park in an All-Ireland quarter-final. I'm just in that place yet um, where I would love to see the Kerry full-back line put under massive pressure. And I'd like to see how they handle it. That's what I would say. Sorry, to go back to your point, Dublin and Cork. I was in Parky Cueve on Sunday. Ooh, I don't know. Um, it was, I was talking to Colin Cooper, actually. He was an RT duty afterwards. And it's funny, we both actually rounded upon the same word, which is unconvincing. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's good for Cork. It represents progress. Um... They made hard work of beating a very game, but a pretty limited Limerick side who scored 116 on them in their own backyard. Um, and some of the scores were easy. The game was still in the melting pot with, with 10 minutes to go. Limerick got a black card with 15 to go. Cork scored 1-3 off that 10-minute period. It was crucial. I just think Cork have hit their high watermark for this year. I truly hope I'm wrong in saying that. Um, I remember, funny enough, talking to Ronan McCarthy, and I, I, I mentioned it this morning. Um, I spoke to Ronan McCarthy after the 2020 season. It was the year they beat Kerry. And he thought that they missed a monstrous opportunity to progress hugely by the fact that they ended up losing to Tip in the Munster final and missed out on an All-Ireland semi-final in Crow Park against Mayo. In terms of how that would actually bring on the group. So don't get me wrong, the quarter final against Dublin in a fortnight is going to massively advance this court group in terms of knocking off an awful lot of the rough edges. But it 19 chances out of 20, it's not going to be enough to actually beat Dublin on the day. It's really not. Dublin are at a pace the same pace, if not better, that Kerry are at. And Cork, exactly as the script suggested, lived with Kerry for 40 minutes, 45 minutes below Park Irene. Uh, and then Kerry ran the bench and just ran away with it. And if, do, if Cork do as well, if they're level with Dublin after 45 minutes, I think they've done extremely well. But I just, I don't see them, I don't see them troubling them over 70. Any trouble, Brian? No, I agree with Tony 100%, to be honest. I think, um, look, for Corker at the moment, they're just not going to, to, to ruffle any of the feathers of the, the, the four provincial winners, to be honest. You know? I think no matter who they got, be it Derry, Galway, 
Um, obviously, couldn't get Kerry, but even Dublin, I just think they're they're just not there at the moment. And um, again, I mean, they, they can go out like they did against Kerry. I'm, I'm sure that's what they will do. They'll go to try and stop Dublin, and they'll start putting sweepers in place, and they'll try and keep the scoreline competitive. But that's all it's going to do. It's just going to try and keep the scoreline competitive. They're not going to go and outscore Dublin. So, look, I think, as Tony mentioned, it's the best that Cork could have could have got this season. You know, I don't think if we looked at where Cork were in the league, struggling to the last game of the season to survive in Division 2, and now all of a sudden find themselves in the last days of the All-Ireland. Are they in the top eight teams in Ireland? They're not. Do you know what I mean? And that's the reality of it. I think they just the way the draw worked out. Um, getting lows. I, I said even a couple of weeks ago, I fancied Lowe to possibly beat Cork. No offence to Cork. They, they, they beat Lowe that day. But again, look, it's, it, uh, it all depends on the look of the draw. And I think in reality, Cork have gone beyond where they should be in the championship. Um, but look, I don't give them, as Tony says, I'd be doing, if, they're, if they're even anywhere in the game by halftime against Dublin, I think they'd be doing very well. Yeah. Funny enough, I actually, lads, would have given them a shout against Galway. And I possibly would have given them a shout against Derry. It's probably the one draw, because they couldn't get Kerry. It's probably the one draw that they really feared was beyond them. You know, I mean, I I don't know, Oshin, what you think about Derry. Derry played Cork this year. I know I'm sure they beat him. I watched that match on video and it was was men against boys. Yeah, it was. I just think, though, that like the one thing John Cleary did say yesterday, which I agreed with, is even since the league, um, like Cork have more about them now. You know, the, the, the whole problem with players disappearing, players getting injured, Keith Ricken being unavailable, the handover in management, the whole Parky Ring episode with the venue. It's just every time you actually saw a headline about Cork football, it was a negative. That whole thing has quietened down now. You know, they have a set squad. They even have Sean Meehan apparently back in training now. I know the quarterfinal is going to come too soon for him. So you are, in fairness, lads, talking about a slightly different (coughs) place where they're coming from. So that's why I say, whether it was Derry or Galway, um, I just think they might have given him something. But there's a thing that Brian and Oshin know 10 times more about than, than certainly I do, and that's tempo. And, you know, games, tempo is so critical to how games are played at. And Dublin, unfortunately, just operate at a different tempo to Cork. And you can you can retard that for a half an hour, for 40 minutes, for 45 minutes, but eventually, like, the dam bursts, Paul. And, you know, that, unfortunately, is the reality. So what I think is Cork go into this quarterfinal, they literally give it, they throw everything they have at it they see how far it takes them. They get it in the tank and they use it as fuel in 2023. I I take all of that and, Cork, and I think John Cleary's done an excellent job. Oshin? <coughs> no, I just, you know, as opposed to talking about Cork Dublin, you know, Cork yesterday, you know, played in a game that actually have played in the last two games where realistically... There were two games that were on an eighth edge. They could have, you know, they could have lost both of those games, but they didn't. And I think that's a real change as far as Cork are concerned. Uh, and I think yesterday we seen a little bit, you know, like the two corner, like O'Donovan and Powder are just are quality. 
And if they had, if they were able to afford to have them as their two wing backs, I just don't think they get enough from the wing backs. And going back to that Derry game, that's the one thing I picked out. The, you know, the the um, the pace at which they transition and go forward, like a team like Dublin will just get bodies back in and and they'll and they'll be able to slow them down. But I have to say, and I have to give huge credit to to Cork on what they did against Louth. You know, they dug in uh, and they finished well and they did something similar yesterday. I mean, yeah. like Limerick's, the chances that Limerick missed in the first half were absolutely criminal. The, you know, the, the execution, the, the decision-making, that's something that Limerick are going to learn in time. But I just think even for Cork, even just to take those few yellows, even the red at the end, Cork would have just, you know, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done that you know in previous years so there's a wee bit more about this cork team and and they are advancing and i would say they're, they're for the year they're probably at par or slightly better and uh, and going into this game nobody will give them a hope but they have to come out of it with something mm. and uh, i i do think that a little bit like mayo is that like the amount of bodies they had back in the first half yesterday and nobody doing anything um, so I would maybe try and play, I know this sounds ridiculous, but a little bit more in the front foot. And if they can get a little bit of pace, even if, if it means, you know, getting the two wing forwards back into the wing back positions a little bit more often and trying to transition a little bit quicker, I could, that could transform them as a team because they can do you damage up front, you know? I, I agree with that. I think Dublin are going to be interesting to watch as well there. For people who don't know it, I think a really interesting thing to watch is Owen O'Donnell, the Dublin Hurland fullback who's been in the football panel since Dublin were knocked out of the Hurland Championship. He was a brilliant minor footballer. He's been brought back in, and I know when he comes back and plays for Whitehall, Colm Kills, he plays in the forwards, he plays in midfield. He's playing the fullback line in training matches, and the reports are that he's doing exceptionally well. Now, it's a huge step to go in to, to play competitive knockout All-Ireland football, but they're clearly looking at that and they're under pressure in the back line because both Davy Byrne, who's on the way back, but also Robbie McDade have serious injuries or have had serious injuries and their back line was creaking already. So it will be interesting to watch that. And I do know, Oshin, when Dublin played Armagh, when Dublin played Armagh four weeks ago, it was apparently a superb match. At halftime, there was only three or four points between the teams. It ended up, both teams emptied the bench after 40, 45 minutes. And the scores were Dublin were a little bit ahead, but only marginally ahead. And you, as a, as an Armagh person, must see on the opposite side of the draw, Galway first, and then the winners of Derry and Clare. The pathway for four teams: Galway, Armagh, Derry, and Clare are entitled to dream this morning of reaching an All Ireland final. Yeah, I think there's there's four teams there that would look at that and say, why not? And and uh, and so why? You know, in Armagh, after the last two performances, the two teams that we've beaten, um, I would say that we are in that boat of saying, "Why not? Why not us?" And uh, it's just been—it's been too long. Um, it's been—it's um, <clears throat> been a tough old journey. Division two, division three, division two, division three, and eventually sustained yourself in division two, into division one, and we've sustained ourselves. We've. we've We've had a bit of um, continuity as far as you know uh, our manager's concerned. We've cha- we've changed off the backroom team. I think 
you're not allowed in it unless your name's Kieran. Um but uh <laughs> apart from that apart from that, I think you know Kieran Donaghy has had a huge influence on what Armagh have done. <clears throat> and you know what I like? Uh, I'm not gonna talk my own county out, but I, I like the fact that going into Crow Park, you have to have a kicking game. You know, it's a different pit, it's a different bit. You have to have a kicking game and you have to be confident in your kicking game. I'm I've kicked the ball all year, even against you know the the, the most tightest of pack defences. We've been able to kick the ball, and that Crow Park will allow us to do that a little bit more. We have ball winners in the forward line, so um, goal in Armas I think is pretty much a fifty-fifty game, um, but it's it's certainly one you'd be looking forward to. And the other thing about uh, Armas is that you know they are they have confidence-wise, confidence would be sky high, and it's a long time since you could say that you know with any conviction about Armas. Well, see, and I think that has to be epitomised by Rain, and I, I suppose I, I hesitate to say this to you about your nephew, but I, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I was a lot underwhelmed by by Rain so far in the championship. I thought he was playing okay, but for a fellow of his talent, I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And th- it was like that first point he got when he cut in down in front of the stand. There was a nice screen. He kept cut down in front of the stand. It was like just the clouds opened, and and from that moment. He was just a different class in the game. Yeah, I think he went into it with a steely determination to to turn around what had happened in Bally Buffet. I mean, he was kept scoreless. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't look at him. It felt as if he. It almost felt as if he was embarrassed with his performance, and uh, and he was. He's just well marked, and obviously, you know, he's targeted. And yeah. there's two ways. There's two ways you can. There's two ways you can take that. You can take it as you know, poor me, or you can take it as the biggest compliment ever. And I think you know, the, when the mindset turns around to listen, you know, I'm getting the best man on the opposition team every day I go out. To take that as a compliment and run with it, and um, and I think he's he's done. He's been able to do that. And and let's be honest about it, he's had he's had a nice supporting cast as well. The the. Mm-hmm. the it stepped up around him as well, and I think that certainly helps. And I think when all of the focus is on one individual, um, it's 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 an opportunity for the guys around you to step up. Give you case in point, uh, Murphy McBrady yesterday, uh, McHugh, like nobody could fault either of those three guys for effort and endeavour yesterday. Um, but when they were being marked out. The supporting cast disappeared, and that hasn't been the case for Arma since what happened at Ballyville Fair. So, um, I think that's the that's another one of those encouraging things. What what did what has Kieran Donahue brought to, to Arma in your view, Oshin? What did what did McGinney see in him, and what has he delivered? Um, well, I don't want to oversimplify this, and I don't want to underestimate it, but. One of the things a few of the boys said to me is, you know, when I asked that initially, um, and incidentally didn't ask my nephews because they wouldn't tell you anything. But uh, when when I asked that, one thing was enthusiasm. Walked into a change room with a smile on his face, gets a bit of banter going, um, you know. And I suppose the one thing that Kieran McGinney would tell you that he's brought is he, he he's challenged them. He's challenged them on on. How they play, how they set up, what the personnel is, um, and I think he has worked tremendously on forwards expressing themselves. But also, 
the thing that I have noticed in particular in the last, uh, pro- probably since the Dublin game in the league, is that no isolation for those forwards. Whereas, you know, we're getting isolated and getting turned over before. What, as soon as somebody in the armor, in that armor forward lane has um, has the ball, he has one and, and a lot of the times two options. He can use them or not use them. Um, but the, the real intent on getting to somebody who's on the ball, um, I think has been tremendous. And even if it's only just running past, you know, the man on the ball, take, dragging the defender out of the way. I mean, nobody spends any time in the D, so you're not clogging up the defence. And uh, and I think, you know, he's just he's just brought that. And, like, there's one opportunity. There's two, sorry, there's two opportunities in a game um, to hit your full forward lane and know that it's going to be man for man. And that's off the throw-ins. And uh, and that's, you know, that, that, that our man have been trying that all year. That one straight off the throw and it just never has never worked to perfection. I think they got two points off it during the league, uh, one in the second half against Mayo and one in the first half against Tyrone. Um, and they got two points off it, but yesterday it worked perfectly. Uh, I, I, the, I think it's really game. important what happened uh, from the throw in from that, not just because of the goal, but there's a physical marker there. The ball was thrown in the air, Ben Creeley went straight into Jason Mac- Jason McGee and bounced him. While the ball was still in the air, he'd taken that, he bounced Michael Murphy. He gave Oshin, or he, he gave Reen O'Neill a clean catch by hold, by bouncing the two of them. By the time Donegal re, 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 got her, they had to foul Reen or Reen was away. So then Reen takes the free, puts it in. And it was a brilliant catch and a brilliant finish. But if you're in the Donegal full back line, I'd say they're, they're just looking at each other. How did you not come through the ball with your fist and make sure it wasn't a clean catch? Like it, it's, it was so basic in terms of, of midfield and then a full-back on a physical contest that, that it was, it was, it's kind of remarkable that they allowed that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And like the other thing was, like, as much as it was a, it was a brilliant ball in, Arma had three players there. Three players all, there, that's, what that's it. That all could have won it. So if they had three players there, Donegal had three defenders there, and how somebody doesn't get a hand on or, I mean, like just bring it to ground. Brian, yeah. what does Kieran Donahue bring to a dressing room? Well, as O'Shane just mentioned there, it's his, it is his enthusiasm. Yeah, he does that if he walks into a room. Regardless, he just has that character about him. You know, he he just he's um, well able to speak. He can engage with people. He, he's He's great crack. He's grateful to have out and about on a, on a night out, you know what I mean? And uh, he'll always entertain. And he's always smiling. Always, always smiling. Always up for the crack. Always up for the banter. And he does bring that in great enthusiasm uh, with him now, with him around the place. But I, I, I agree 100% with what Oshin says there in relation to what Kieran brings. He does challenge people. Um, and he does kind of think outside the box from the point of view of, I recall talking to Kieran a couple of times about kickouts, and I think we were going playing Dublin in 15, possibly 16, I think, in the All Ireland. And one of our big things was going after Dublin's kickouts, Gluckston, you know, and we were kind of saying, and I, I think we recall in one of the games we did, as we call it, like a gig press, where we literally pushed everyone up the field. Everyone up, yeah. We brought our cornerbacks up to nearly half back, and we squeezed the whole pitch. And that was something Kieran was, was, was talking, we were talking about that just from the point of view of. You know, doing that as midfielders, where do we stand? You know, we we would always try and take the sideline side. That if the, if there was a runner coming, 
that you just you always had to run on him rather than follow him and all of a sudden when you cross over you're two or three yards off and he's oceans of space either side so we probably speak about it midfielders keep the sideline side let them cross over and at least you have the sideline you know space to talk by but he's that kind of stuff though he talks about it from the point of view of even when you're inside you know if you look at the goal against Donegal in the 2014 final it was a gamble by here he's inside there he's raising his hands he's moving from the side he's daring the goalkeeper and he, he does things like that and he you know I suppose the big thing that I found with Kieran as well as that, and it came from the basketball, though, was his hands. You yeah. know, he, he just brings that thing that, you know, he just wins the ball and he can seem to just, you don't think he sees you and he sees you. And you think that, all oh, the pass is gone or that, you know, he might turn one direction and all of a sudden he's just not looking and the ball is just, his hands are so, so quick. But I think even going back to the Mayo All-Ireland semi-final drawing game in Crow Park, David Morrison in the ball to him and he caught it. And it was just how quick he offloaded the ball to James O'Donoghue mm-hmm. um, to get the goal. He that's what he brings to it. I definitely think he's brought to the to the our up the press and the kick out. I definitely think you saw it yesterday of how good our man were on the on the kick out. And I think that's definitely something Kieran has brought because we worked on him with Kerry. It was something he was vocal about in the dressing room as well with Kerry and something that he always brought to his game as well. You know, so I think that's one big thing he brings to us. You know, like he, he thinks outside the box. He's great for enthusiasm around the place. He's great to bring fellas in, talk to fellas, talking to young fellas, giving advice to them. Um, so look, and his like kicking that, really improved, didn't it? In the course of his, in the course of his career, he was he turned into a really good kicker of the ball. He did, but he worked on it. Doesn't mean he yes. really had to work on it. I mean, every night before training, Kieran was probably on that side of the field where he's getting the ball, turning onto his right leg, and and. And kicking, you know, because look, let's be honest, kicking wasn't his 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 main point of his game. His main at the start of off was a midfielder. Um, obviously, his hands were so good, and he was so good in the air. And then when he went in full forward, he knew he had to bring something else to the game. And you know, in fairness to Kieran, he worked so hard on coming out to the right hand side of the pitch, getting the ball, swinging it with his right, and he, you know, he, he's he's worked off that. But I, I sorry, just going back to what you said, Oshin, about. The goal yesterday as well about how when that ball went in that there was three fellas inside of the square that's one thing that, that kieran always wanted as well was that he didn't really want to be inside or just one-on-one because he knew that okay maybe not one-on-one but that's probably he did want to be one-on-one but the big thing for him was that when he let when he had the ball was that there was fellas around to just offloads the last thing he wanted to win is come down and be surrounded by three or four fellas and you know the ball taken off him his big thing was get it when you get it down, have fellas around you that you can offload us and let them do the damage. He was very unselfish with things like that. You know, he was always thinking about the team rather than himself. Um, so that I think, to be honest, with you, I can really see where he has helped Armagh from that from that um, perspective. And Armagh, and don't forget, lads, Armagh has helped him too. You know, I mean, like Kieran's on a journey, no more than Tomas O'Shea is on a journey that they hope will eventually, you know, double back and finish back down with Kerry and like Kieran knew I remember speaking to him about this because I was very interested in in you know him pursuing a career in media because you know as, as Brian will tell you and as Oshin as you know and you've met him like I mean he is a contagious personality really he's just a great guy you know he's great I actually remember it's an awful thing to say but he must be one of the few guys I've ever actually been in a funeral uh, procession with going into a wake we we're busting our sides laughing like with him 
you know, because he's he's just one of those guys. He makes great conversation, and he knew he didn't want to go the media route. He knew he he needed to get out there. He needed to learn his trade, and I would imagine Kieran McGinley uh, and Kieran McKeever have been really good for Kieran Donaghy as well. So it's been a mutually beneficial, you know, relationship. I mean, it's an awkward spot going from Kerry to Armagh. No, I know. Is he, he there to... every night? Is he at training every night? Does he stay up? Well, he is now. He is now. But I think in the league, Oshin, it was kind of just one night a week, was it? Yeah, I think he come up uh, one night a week and he he'd, uh, he'd incorporated his work maybe. And yeah. uh, he's somewhere to stay, yeah. stay up in Armagh as well. So... I think that that helps, obviously. Um, but it's like it's a phenomenal commitment, and I think obviously he's around a lot more now that we've got to the business end of things. And obviously, over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be important he's there every night. <clears throat> Doesn't do any harm either that uh, Kieran McGinley's wife is a neighbour of his from Ballymac. In terms of the school and, and, and the physio, no. And the physio, no. I see that Mars there now. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. So if you look. If you look at the draw and if you look at the games for the weekend, I do want to talk about something else for the weekend. And that was the crowd that was in Coke Park on Saturday and the crowd that might go to the Talchin semi-finals next Sunday. And I think the GA has a massive problem here at the moment. And it's tied into the cost of living for people at the moment. It's tied into the cost of GA tickets. And I just want to just want to read out some facts here about the cost of GA tickets. So... For the quarterfinal of the Connacht Championship, it was €25 Euros into, say, Galway Mayo. That went to 35 for the Connacht final. It was €40 Euros for the stand in the Munster final. For the Talchin Cup, it's been €20. Euros, and now for the semi-finals next week, it's €25. Euros. For the qualifiers, it's €25. Euros. For the All-Ireland quarterfinals, it's €40. Euros. For the All-Ireland semis, it's 50s, And for the All-Ireland finals, it's €90. Euros. Now... The GA is supposed to be a family organisation. It is a family organisation. And people want to go in families. So my family goes to Croke Park for to see Offaly in the Talchin Cup next Sunday. I live close enough to Croke Park that I can walk there. But that's €100 Euros for tickets to go there. I know I've spoken to two different families in Offaly who are not going next Sunday because of the price of tickets. Because there's a general squeeze there. And I, I, I think... It's bad enough for families. There is now no family ticket available. They've been gotten rid of. It doesn't seem to me that there are club deals available, though I don't want to say that definitively because I can't find them. Across the island, there are 1.5 million people, more or less, who are either pensioners or they're in education between the ages of 16, full-time education between the ages of 16 and leaving university or college. And so that's 1.5 million. There are the discount for, um, for those people falls away at the latter ends of the championship. But even now, it's very, very limited. It's basically five or off for those people at this stage of the year. And that is, that's, it's just not enough. It's, it's the squeeze that's on people is, is totally wrong. And I totally get it. I totally get it. There are pensioners with plenty of money who are capable of paying in. And there are students with plenty of money who are capable of paying in. But there are a whole load who aren't. And it's not just that those prices are too high. It's also that the GEA, far from mitigating the financial pressure on its membership, has actually worsened them this year because it increased the price of a season ticket more or less by 25, 25% on, on people. So that's the first issue. There's one of cost. But the second issue is one of sales and how you buy them. And I know someone's going to turn around and say, oh, you can buy 
tickets at central shops. Well, anyone who, who, who thinks that that's a default position should read Shane Dowling's column on the RTE uh, website from a, a couple of weeks ago where he talked about the absolute chaos when the Ticketmaster system crashed and they were trying to buy tickets out of sales for Limerick Games. But the GEA sells now all its tickets online. So you either buy it through Ticketmaster in the shop or you buy it through Ticketmaster online. And I do understand the reason why it shifts online on one level because it makes things easier for volunteers and all of that. But it is an absolute disaster in terms of trying to use that website from people who are trying to do it. I don't know if you boys have any views on this, but to me, the GA's relation, it signed a five-year deal with Ticketmaster in December 2020. And it made the announcement, when it made the announcement, at the bottom of the press release, it said that, you know, it invited eight people to tender for, for this thing, and Ticketmaster won it. And it said at the end of December 2020, the GA is now working, and I quote, now working with Ticketmaster Ireland team, with the Ticketmaster Ireland team, to continue to improve the GA ticketing processes and offerings for our members and supporters. So that's a year and a half ago. I'd, I, there's a fairly basic question here. Is the GA satisfied now that it has made any improvements or is it satisfied with the ticket, the Ticketmaster service? And this idea of you know, our GEA, where we all belong, like as the slogan goes, is that just a marketing wheeze or is it something that's actually believed in? I don't know what you boys' views on this are. Who wants to go first? I'll, I, I'll, I'll give you a tuppence worth um, and let the lads uh, can come in afterwards. Um, I, I'm, this is a space I'm very much in myself, Paul, at the moment because um, I have kids now who want to go to a lot of the games um and my most recent experience was the monster football final and it was i remember going on to ticketmaster and being shocked when i saw it was 40 euro 40 euro for a stand ticket for limerick and kerry now you have to say are you going to base tickets on the event or are you going to base ticket prices on who's playing in the final you have to base it on the event to be fair to the provincial councils because the monster hurling final is also 40 euro for a stand ticket and people will say they got great value for money from that final and that ultimately paul and i, I i'm not disagreeing with you but ultimately you know got to look at this from both sides that ultimately for me has to be the benchmark in terms of value for money you if you uh, are so i disagree going, tony I disagree no no but let me finish let me finish okay. if you are going buying a ticket to the all-ireland football final or the hurling final, and it's going to cost you 90 quid. You are right, that is, a, that is a financial hit to take, and especially if you're, if you're lucky enough that you're trying to buy two or three tickets. But you are talking about the blue ribbon event of the season. You try and buy a ticket for Liverpool and Real Madrid in the Champions League final, or the La Rochelle and Liverpool in the Champions League professional Cup. sport. Yeah, I don't know, I know that. But I mean, it's you say it's professional sports, but it's the same people who are actually looking to purchase those tickets. I'm as interested in going, if my team were in a Champions League final, as I am in going to an All-Ireland final. You're paying a price and you're paying value for money. I think the GAA is caught here between a pricing structure and the two or three years that they're coming out of now, where they're in serious arrears financially. And I would, my reason for saying that is I would say that the scope for looking at ticket prices is probably less now than it might have been three years ago because of what we've gone through. I genuinely would feel it's okay. This might seem like a contradiction, 
but I think it's okay to charge 90 euro for an All-Ireland final. I'm really not in a place where I was comfortable playing 40 quid for Kerry and Limerick. But that raises the question, do you do you suddenly base your ticket prices so on who's in the final? You can't do that. So, yes, you're right. There are issues. There are problems. I'm not even going to go to the Ticketmaster one in this because I don't want to eat into time. But I do think that there is a debate about ticket pricing and the cost of it. But it has to be a realistic debate on both sides. It's too easy, Paul, to say, oh, but we're an amateur organisation. You know, we're a community based. We've loads of OAPs. Kids want to see games. We're trying to we're trying to promote the games. Let's reduce the tickets there to all to a fiver. There's another side to that debate, which is called the financial reality. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say I'll say three points back to that. Number one, the GA has come out of the pandemic down, but it also received a huge amount of taxpayers' money it to it keep did. it going through that. And I think that should be remembered. But it required number, that number two. Money. Hold on now. Hold on. Number two, it's not the same people who go to the Champions League final as go to the uh, go to see Munster quarterfinals because I don't know anybody who's brought their family to the Champions League final. I've never met anyone who's done that or no. brings them to the Champions League. Game. No, I compared the Champions League and the All Ireland final. Not the no, Munster so so that's yeah, but that's different because people yeah. don't bring their families to Champions League finals. They go on their own. It's singular trips and it's a time away or maybe two go. But yeah. if you look for people to spend families to spend at the moment a hundred, hundred and fifty euros before they even go anywhere, I'd say it's in, yeah. it's entirely wrong. And I'm not asking that it be reduced to a fiver each, but but or, or anything like that. But and it's all right to say the Monster Hurling find was value for money at 40 euros each. I don't think any amount of money you could say that about that game was so brilliant that no, mm. you pay any amount of money almost to see it. But you're still asking people who kind of don't have that kind of money to pay the money to see a game that they really want to see. And to me, that's too much. To me, it's was it way, way too much for price. Was it a sellout? Oh yeah, but you're, you can get the money. I'm not saying that, but was yet yeah. was were there, were there, how many Mayo people went last weekend? How many people won't go next weekend because they can't afford it? No problem getting tickets. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But it's an individual decision. It's an individual. You are there and you're looking at a monster hurling final, and you're saying, you know what? This is forty quid well spent for me. You could be looking at uh, next Sunday. You're right in the Totten Cup semi-finals, and you may say, you know what? Myself and the two kids, 120 quid. No, nah, that's not money well spent for me. I'll watch it on TV. Yeah, I, it's it's not quite the point I'm making, though. Of course, it's money well spent if you have it. My point is that there's a lot of people do not have that kind of money at the moment, and there has to be some solidarity. And I particularly make the point around pensioners. The idea that a pensioner should be charged 30 euros, two pensioners charged 30 euros into the Munster Hurling final. A, a pensioner couple going in 60 euros, that's a lot of money out of someone's pension. Yeah. Brian Rushing. Um, <clears throat> the weekend there was a family ticket available for um, for Clonus, so there was that was sixty quid uh, for two. That's adults. fair. That's okay. Two, That's okay. Two, adult, two yeah. adults and 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 two kids, which I thought was was okay. But any more than that, I think is you know would be uh, expensive considering you know what's an offer. If the, if that like I mean it's 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 just a match. It's you no know, there's no. There's no bells and whistles with, with it, you know. What I mean, you get the All Ireland final stage. There's, you know, ninety quid. I agree with Tony. I think it has to be a premium for, um, for an All Ireland final. I think people are more accepting of that. Um, but I think if we want to get more people through the turnstiles, considering the price fuel, um, first of all, 
not even the price of hotels, but the availability of hotels. Like, like Mayo traveled up on the day, I believe, as a, as a team because yeah. we couldn't because we couldn't get anywhere. So that's a that's a huge issue, and I think you know we we keep learning this lesson all the time that you know t- you know footballers want to play in Crow Park and 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 they want that opportunity, but like you know it was a pretty drab affair as far as like imagine how good a game Claire Muscommon would have been in a in a packed small provincial ground um and you know 20 quid a piece in you know what what will be what will be wrong with that um so i do think it's it's not just the expense of the ticket but it's it's the thought of of traveling um you know if you need to stay over people have got to eat you know, um, I was in the Aviva on last Wednesday, um, and the wee fellow went down for uh, a couple of bags of Chris and uh, a couple of bottles of Fanta, and uh, come back up, and he said it was eighteen quid. Like, you know what I mean? So things are not really, you know, they're not really that cheap when you when you head to Dublin. So it's going to be something similar, you know, for people traveling to Crow Park. Um, so yeah, the I think, ticket, I think Oshie, the family ticket, just as a matter of interest on Sunday, yeah. was that for a specific area of the ground, or could the four just go in anywhere? No, no, no. That was uh, it was the Pat McGrain stand. So you know the covered stand, so opposite yeah. to the covered stand, right uh, across from the covered stand, and were quite decent tickets. You know, okay. so I, uh, I think Paul, that's an initiative that you could work, that you could section off a part of the stand and i know that like premier league clubs just to use a bad example in england do that all the time where there are certain areas that are kept for pensioners or for parent and child combinations that is certainly something um, oh yeah yeah and i should have said by the way i should have said what i was saying that the five euros for under 16s is is really really fair that's really fair and what i'm not talking about is that is that section what what I'm talking about are the people who are between 16 and 21. That's to me, to me, to, to charge them full price or whatever is or very close to full price is way too much. Brian, okay. have you have you a view on this? So, Paul, 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 just one more one more thing before Brian comes in. I was at uh, Burnley and Man City this year uh, yeah. in the league in Burnley, and I couldn't believe the price. Sorry to hear that, Oshin. You know, and and, and I'm, I'm slowly but surely recovering from from that, but the. The, the I couldn't believe the price of the ticket. The price of the ticket was uh, twenty five quid and fifteen for kids. Yeah, you know, I saw Man City like, play Atalanta in the Champions League two years, three years ago, just before COVID. Twenty euro, twenty pounds into into the Etihad. You always have to go one better than me, don't no, you? No, no, I just no, but that's the of course I can't get away. Ticket. <laughs> Sorry, that came out. That came out wrong. Right. <laughs> Look, I I agree. Um, with everything that's been said here, and, and Tony is right, there is a debate here for the tickets. Um, and look, I, I think we have to kind of look at it and say, yes, our Ireland final, it is the occasion you're paying for, it is the, the, the pinnacle of, of the year, and I think that's, you know, 90 euro. It's steep, but look, yes, I think it's what you're paying for. Um, but I do believe, and I recall even when I was younger, going to games with, with, my, with my father, it was family tickets and you had a family section and I recall even the Munster final, the family section was always the, the scoreboard in the Killarney where all the families went and I can recall the amount of games I watched back there. Um, and I think that's important. I think it's important. I even see it myself now, my young fella's coming into the age where he's 
wanting to go to start going to games and things like that. And you know, if you're trying to fork out forty euro for the most of finalists, Tony said, or eighty euro for two of us, I, I thought it's, it's crazy. You know, and especially when you've a, a young fella who might only watch the game for bits and pieces here and there, and you know, it's it's just crazy money to be paying for that level. But I definitely do think there's an incentive there for the GA to get the family ticket back in from the point of view of have a section in the stadium where you can have your family tickets, have your students and have your AOPs or OAPs. And I think that's really something that they need to look at because it's not even the point of view of it's, it's, I even found people and there was a lot of people complaining about even trying to get tickets for the league. Yeah. And a lot of these people don't have access to it. Just generally don't know how to go about on the internet to try and get these tickets. I think that's an issue they need to start looking at that they can start making it easier for these people to get tickets via the secretary of the club or whoever, that they can get these tickets for them and maybe distribute them uh, through the club system. I just think it's something that needs to be looked at from that point of view. Look, I think what's the big issue at the moment about all this is where we are. In the, you know, the, the economy is just blown out of you know, inflation. Everything is, is, is crazy. We're, we're after coming out of two years of COVID, where businesses were backs to the wall, all of a sudden, they're trying to get themselves out of jail, and prices have have have, have gone up. We're now dealing in a situation with a war, where we have food supplies are shortage. We fuel prices gone through the roof. Even my own industry, I mean, with regards to construction, where the prices of materials have gone through the roof. So you're coming to a stage at the moment. I think this is where the price, and I think this is why we're now talking about it, is because of the climate we find ourselves in at the moment. And I think now we're feeling the pinch on all this. I think if you went back before COVID, were we talking about ticket prices? Were we talking about, you know, 40 euro to go into to most of the final? I don't think we would have batted an eyelid at it. But I just think it's where we are at the moment with the economy, that all this is starting to, to raise its head. And people genuinely just can't afford, even if the, even the games are 25 euro, 30 euro, people just genuinely can't afford it at the moment because it's just where they are. And I suppose the one down point I have is with the games being in Crow Park. Is number one as a player, all you want to do is grow Crow Park. You no, know, like once you kind of outside of the Munster Championship, playing in Killarney and Cork were two fantastic occasions, don't want to take away from them. But outside of that, Crow Park is where you wanted to play. You wanted to be in Crow Park. And I don't care what you say, you ask all the teams remaining in the Talent Cup, they'll play in Crow Park in an empty stadium if they had to because it's Crow Park. And I and I and I get it as a player, but I totally get then the opposite flip side from the point of view of supporters. You're trying to travel to Crow Park. As we just mentioned, hotels. I think someone had up on Twitter there I saw it, of trying to go to get a hotel in the vicinity of Crow Park for next weekend and the price are three or four or four hundred euro for hotels. No people can't can't do that. And it's one thing that if you're as you say, Paul, look, people are traveling from Offley, it's only up the road. You're up the road and you're home in the evening. People coming from Kerry, people coming from Donegal, coming from Mayo, Galway. That's that's a fair trek. And I don't think they're going to realistically hop in the car. Well, they might have to hop in the car and drive home. Like it's it's five hours for me to get from where I'm living down here in Car Savine to get to Dublin. You factor in a stop for a bite to eat, cost of food, fuel, it's just not sustainable for some people. And <clears throat> I just think she made a very good point there, and I go back to even our game against Mayo, the replay in 2014. In Limerick, yeah. In Limerick. Like, the drawing game was in Crow Park and was only 
I think there was even 40,000 there. And you can hear the echo around Crow Park with, the, with, with people. You can even hear the players communicating. We can even talk to each other. But when you're inside in a stadium like that, and the atmosphere yeah. just gives so much more to the game. And I, I went I do, down to that I, game, Brian. I went down to that game, Brian. And I think of all the football games outside, the atmosphere that day was absolutely magnificent. It and is because in, you still have 40,000. You still have 40,000 and it was packed. And well, they're, actually, they're in, it, 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 it really is make a difference. But I think the GA is a little bit impaled there. And I do feel a certain sympathy on this one for two reasons. There are players who from, from different counties who, if they do get out, of their province or they do get through the qualifiers, they want the experience of playing in Crow Park. So I do get that, number one. Yes. And number two, I'd say the GEA, through its corporate boxes and through its premium ticket holders, have obligations to hold a certain amount of matches in Crow Park. Yeah. Right. And I, I understand that too. So so those those things are probably come back on that. Yeah, look, um, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But look, as I said, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's the incentive for the players and even the whole thing with the Talent Cup about getting this competition up and going, give it the incentive for teams to go at it. It's important that they get to Crow Park and it's important that they play their semi-final and final in Crow Park because if you're offloading them to, to Port Leash or to Torless, you know, the, the, the appeal is gone because players want to play in Crow Park and that's the big thing for me. But look, it, it is a debate, but uh, again, do you know what I mean? It, it's, as you say, the likes of Kerry and, and Dublin and these teams who are so used to playing in Crow Park, if you were to say we'll go to Torless, we'll go to Port Leash, and we'll have a full house. I think they'll say, yeah, but as you say, if you look at likes of Clare, they wanted to go to Crow Park last weekend. They wanted to go and play. Roscommon probably wanted to go to Crow Park. They wanted to find their feet in Crow Park and see yeah. what it's like. Armagh will be itching to go to Crow Park again because they want to find what Crow Park is like. They want to see their kicking game in Crow Park is going to suit them down to the ground. They want to find their feet. So, look, you can't please everyone. It's a hard one to call, but just going back to take prices, I think the big thing at the moment is if we were back two or three years ago prior to COVID, I don't think we would be complaining too much about it. I just think it's the fact of where the economy is, the price of hotels, coming out of COVID, inside the middle of a war. I just think now people are finding the pinch from where we are with, with money to go to these games. I, I, I want to say one last word on this and we'll move on then. The website through which the tickets are sold is really, really poor. It repeatedly crashes. It's not intuitive. It's not designed to work across mobile. In my view, across mobile, iPad and laptop perfectly. And if you're going to shift to an all-ticket system, you have to do it better than, than what they've put in place. So just leave it at that. Um, next week, we, we need to come back and talk about the, what this season means for different teams who have now exited the championship. And I mean in this Donegal, Donegal at the crossroads. I want to look at where Kildare are at and whether Kildare can whether this is a staging post and where they're doing. We also want to preview next week the All-Ireland quarterfinals and in particular look at, at what Clare have done and have a really good hard look at the achievement that Clare back to an All-Ireland quarterfinal um, in, in, in the circumstances. And we will review uh, the Talton game semifinals, which are on uh, this, this weekend, where Offaly play Westmead and Cavan um, play Sligo. So, Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean for making it happen, and to everyone at Examiner Sport. Thank you to Renault for their support. A uh, huge thanks to Oshin McConville, and especially as well to Brian and to Tony for, for joining us today. Bémi Tarnash Galua.
grain of rice. A grain of rice is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, Thanks to our sponsors, Renault, the Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV.